You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to Break a Bat. I'm your host, Al Malafronte, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Uh, I'd like to think almost 50 episodes into Break a Bat, our main audience listening at home has a good pulse of the roots of my baseball fandom. Uh, If you're new here, my dad brought me into the world of this beautiful sport as a young kid in Long Island. I was around eight years old at the time, wanted to get better as a player. And in his eyes, that had to go beyond practice. Uh, It was time for me to start watching Yankee games with him every night on TV. And um, because not only was I going to learn from the high caliber of performers the Yankees were putting in the lineup every night, I was also going to learn from a high character man in the broadcast booth who epitomizes great perspective on the game and does so while making it entertaining for everyone watching at home. Uh, Prior to his time in the booth, he was a three-time All-Star player and World Series champion, one of the greatest switch hitters of all time with more than 2,000 hits and 1,000 RBIs to his name. And he also retired with a phenomenal 388 lifetime on base percentage. He's been the TV voice of the Yankees since 1997, and even all these years later, he's still calling games on the Yes Network and doing so as well as anyone in television. I've described myself as a student of the game, and tonight I'm joined by one of my greatest teachers. So if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting, Ken Singleton. Ken, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Al. That's quite an introduction. Uh, You know, I... Oh, 1997. I've been there a long time with the Yankees. I'm glad I was able to, you were kind of able to grow up with me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, we're having a, you have a shortened season right now. And I know that you like to toy around with, you know, retiring every year. Do you think that you're going to stick it out a little bit longer, Ken, because of uh, the 60 game schedule? Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, uh, you would remember when Mariano tore his ACL a couple of years ago. That was supposed to be his final season. But he said he didn't want to leave like that, and uh, he wanted to come back for one more year, and he did. Uh, I kind of feel the same way. A 60-game season, I'm not going to do that many games this year. Uh, So I I feel as though there are a couple of cities I'd like to visit one more time because they're special to me. And so if we are doing everything on the up and up next year with a 162-game schedule, I would come back and do my 25 or 30 games. 
I would love that, Ken. And, you know, I know you're a New York kid. You grew up in Westchester. Uh You know, we're on the Broadway Podcast Network. So I do have to ask, did you catch much theater growing up and in subsequent years broadcasting for the Yankees? Do you try catching many shows while you're in New York City? Well, I've been to a few, but, uh, you know, mostly the the Christmas shows like the Cedar Rockettes, you know, and things like that took the family. Um, I can't remember remember going to... um, I think it was a, a Shakespearean when I was a kid, a Shakespearean play when I was a kid, which uh, totally uh, it didn't rock my world. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but uh, uh, You know, now with everything being shut down and these are things that I'd like to do after I'm finished with my broadcast career, then I could do more things, uh, not be uh, actually reliant on a schedule every single day or jumping on airplanes or trains or whatever. These are the things that I would like to do, and uh, uh, as well as things that like playing golf, which I love to do. And so I'd like to get to Broadway one day and check out some shows, no doubt. <laughs> now, Ken, I know you do love your uh, your time on the golf course. Are you a better golfer or are you a better hitter? Oh, uh, I would say I was a better hitter, you know, but uh, I can't do that anymore. So, <laughs> so now with me and my buddies, uh, my former teammates, we turned to playing golf. And uh, uh, I play with guys like Ross Grimsley, left-handed pitcher, Al Bumbry, who uh, played next to me in the outfield in Baltimore. Uh, Tim Nordbrook, who was with us briefly with the Orioles. Scott McGregor, 20-game winner with the Orioles. They all live in the Maryland area here, and we get to go together at least once or twice a week and play. Now, Ken, you mentioned your time with the Orioles. Here on Broadway, you have some directors who certainly have earned a lot of respect around the industry. Some, however, have the reputation of being meticulous, sometimes explosive, as far as their process goes in order to drive team results. And quite often, those directors are the ones at the helm of more successful shows. Uh You certainly played on some winning teams during your days with the Orioles. On the air, you've mentioned someone you played with, uh, excuse me, you played for, who I think fits that bill in Earl Weaver. No, there's no doubt about it. He was quite feisty. He was, uh, if, if Al, if you made mistakes on the field, it wasn't like we're not going to talk about it or we're not going to we're going to talk about it tomorrow or we're going to sweep it under the rug. It was when you walked off the field, he would embarrass you in front of everybody on the team. And um, you you trying to, he got me a few times, you know, and I guess I deserved it. Uh, there's one time I really didn't think I did though. Um, and I think I've mentioned this on the year. You might remember uh, I dropped a fly ball in Chicago and uh, there was no consequence. The White Sox didn't score. But when I came back to the dugout, he asked me, what the hell are you doing out there? I, I said, Earl, I got no excuse. I just dropped the ball. They didn't even score. He said, that's not the problem. You're supposed to catch the ball. I said, I don't want to look bad in front of 30, 35,000 fans. He said, what you did. And I said, well, you know, you better leave me alone. I, I, I got to go up here and hit this in it. And he said, well, oh, okay, go ahead. He knew what was really important, me trying to score some runs for him to win a game. So uh, that, that was kind of dropped quickly, but I didn't drop many fly balls. Let's put it that way. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power. 
loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you're playing for someone like that, is it ever difficult to maintain your focus when you have someone who's kind of like looking over your shoulder like that, who could be, you know, he could be kind of hostile. I think we all know that about Earl. Yeah, to be honest with you, he was more hostile with some of the other players on the team. And uh, I I just, I could look for situations. I I could almost see them coming when he was going to go off especially with umpires or he was very uh, impatient with the, with our catcher, Rick Dempsey. Uh, whenever somebody got a hit on the other team it was always Dempsey's fault uh, for the pitch that he called. And Dempsey's all comeback was always, he didn't throw the ball where I wanted him to throw it. He threw it right down the middle. So it's not my fault. And they would go back and forth. Earl was really into, he, he didn't like umpires and the umpires did not like him. Uh, I don't know if you remember the umpire, Ron Luciano. Sure. Yeah, Ron was uh, he was a good umpire, but he and Earl were like oil and water. They didn't like each other. And Luciano passed away a few years before Earl did. And they asked Earl about Luciano. And this is, Earl said he was a clown then and he's a clown now. And this is when <laughs> the guy just died. You know, so I'm thinking, you know, you know, what, what would you say that Earl said when he when Earl would pass away and eventually he did, he wanted on his tombstone, here lies the sorest loser ever. And <laughs> this guy did not like to lose. He didn't. If we had a two game losing streak, uh, he, he would just be in a foul mood. If we got off on one of our good winning streaks, he'd be OK. You know, but as soon as we lost the game, it was like flipping a switch. He was going in the other direction and we tried to stop it as soon as possible. Uh, I, I can recall we lost three or four in a row once and he had a team meeting and um, he, he was going off on us at the beginning. You guys are terrible. You're playing terrible baseball. You know, you, you, you guys got your, you, you're just not doing it right. And then he said at the end, he said, well, I guess this is all my fault. And we all looked around like his fault. And he said, yeah, I picked you guys. I thought you could win. So, <laughs> and of course we went off in the other direction. We started winning again. You know, every year I was in Baltimore, we had a winning record. We're in the race every year. And uh, I, I, be- I had become a free agent a couple of times, and uh, both times I stayed. And it was because I was already on a great team with great players, great to good players, and we won a lot of games. Now, I have found out over the years, Al, that uh, the Yankees had actually traded for me, had tried to trade for me a couple of times. And the Orioles said no both times. Also... When we came to New York, like you mentioned before, I'm a New Yorker, a proud New Yorker. And uh, when we came to New York, uh, George Steinbrenner would leave my parents the tickets right next to the visiting dugout. So I'd come out of the dugout. There's my mom and dad, my aunt and uncle sitting right next to the dugout. Now, he didn't have to do that. and uh, But he knew I was from New York. And he knew my mom and dad and my aunt and uncle came to a lot of games. Uh, they, they would drive down to Baltimore to see me. Uh, when I got traded to Montreal, before I got to Baltimore, they would drive up to Montreal to see me. So they they were really invested in my career. And when my parents retired, 
uh, they moved down here to the Maryland area so they could be near their grandkids. And and uh, the payoff was at the end. They got to go to all the games the last uh, few years that I was playing. And Ken, you know, you mentioned all the success that you had in Baltimore. And what I admire so much about you is that you had some of your best performances on baseball's biggest stages, which of course were the playoffs and World Series. You're yeah. facing the best competition that the game mm-hmm. has to offer. You hit 333 over 17 playoff games. How were you able to raise your game under the pressure of such bright lights, especially during a time when baseball was probably the most popular sport in the country? Yeah, and it, I think, Al, it had something to do with um, if people were going to watch baseball during the playoffs, you're probably the only game going <laughs> in the World Series. <laughs> they had no choice but to watch you. So I felt as though you have to put your best foot forward, of course. We're trying to win. Uh, I played in two World Series. We won one. We lost one. Uh, but I, I I don't know. When you face your, the best competition, you have a way of raising your own game, and they bring you up to their level. Uh, some of the greatest pitchers uh, that I faced over the years, I had pretty good success against. There were others that were really good ones too that I didn't. Um, I've I, I mentioned many times I didn't hit well against Ron Guidry. Uh, I had problems with Steve Carlton. I had problems with Tom Seaver, but I did hit a home run off Seaver in the All Star game. Uh, and some of the other Hall of Fame pitchers like Bob Gibson and Fergie Jenkins and, and Catfish Hunter, I, I hit pretty well against those guys. Uh, I can recall uh, running into Gibson. The Yankees were interleague series in St. Louis a few years back, and I happened to uh, see Bob in the lobby of the hotel, and he was still, you know, intimidating. And uh, he looked at me right in the eye, and he says, I used to have problems with you. And I, I, I thought right away, I said, well, he can't get me now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he was known to throw tight the hitters. And uh, I, I, when I got home, I looked it up. I hit 343 against Bob Gibson, which uh, – you know, I, I don't think many people can say that. I mean, he he was he was throwing hard, had a great slider, and he was intimidating. He worked fast. He never let you feel comfortable in the box. He wasn't afraid to throw up and in if he had to. But for some reason, he never did that to me. Uh, I hit well against Juan Marichal, too, who was probably my favorite pitcher of all time because uh, I grew up a Giants fan. And um, I hit two home runs off him, and he told me his story, too. It, he said that uh, uh, he wanted to throw at me, but he knew that he'd get in trouble at home because his wife thought I was cute. So he, <laughs> <laughs> so he never threw at me, even though I hit him pretty well as a, as a young player. <laughs> That's incredible, Ken. And, you you know, some of those names that you had mentioned that you had some success against, uh, a lot of them were right-handed pitchers. You know, being yeah. a switch hitter, did you prefer hitting from the left side of the plate? Was that your more comfortable natural side? Or, you know, grow? I know your dad taught you quite a few things about baseball. Did you start uh, as a lefty, then transition to switch hitting? How did that kind of work uh, in your development? It's kind of a strange story now, because when I first started, when I was introduced to the game by my dad, I hit left-handed. I even threw left-handed. But I noticed all the other kids in the playground, they were throwing right-handed, hitting right-handed. So I said, well, let me try that. Okay, so I tried it. I could do it. Uh, when I got to Little League, I was a right-handed pitcher, and I hit right-handed. Uh, when I got to, um, I'd say, when I was playing in Bronx Federation League, you know, one day I was fooling around before the game, and I was hitting left-handed. I was hitting the ball pretty well. So the coach of the team looked at me and says, they're, they're pitching a right-hander today. Why don't you hit left-handed in the game? I said, okay. And I hit two home runs. I was about 15 years old. 
And he said, you're a switch hitter from now on. There's scouts at these games watching, and they're looking for guys who can do unusual things on the field. And from that point on, I was a switch hitter. Uh, when I got to the big leagues, I hit well from both sides. Uh, my power stats were about the same. You know, you get up about two and a half more times left-handed than you do left hand, uh, right-handed over a season. And if you break down my home run stats, they were about two and a half to one. But my batting average was better left-handed, I think because I hit many more times left-handed, and I was a little bit more comfortable. Of course, if you can go four or five days and you don't hit right-hand, all of a sudden you're facing Ron Guidry, I don't care who you are. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit more difficult. Ken, it's amazing just because, you know, when you played, you know, the game was so different. You didn't have all these analytics, which, listen, I think are a blessing and a curse, but your ability to get on base is just incredible to me. You know, you look at your walk numbers over the years. I mentioned your on base percentage uh, over the years. Do you uh, do you think it's kind of a lost art nowadays, you know, to find switch hitters like yourself? I actually, someone asked me not long ago, you know, who do you think, reminds you most of Ken Singleton. And I thought about Bernie for a moment because, you know, he used to draw his walks, but the other guy I was thinking about as far as like the high batting average, uh, equal splits from both sides of the plate was Chipper Jones. And I and think oh. about how rare guys like that are. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, Chipper Jones is hall of famer, but one thing he has that all the other switch hitters in baseball do not have all the, I'm talking Mickey Mantle. Uh, I'm talking some of the great, you know, Lance Bergman, guys like that. Chipper, Pete Rose, Chipper Jones is the only switch hitter with, you know, that has the, you know, quality of at bats, the number of at bats that hits 300 from both sides of the plate. He's the only one. And that includes Mickey Mantle. And, and so, and Eddie Murray, I mean, guys like that. And uh, I, I think that uh, I was really impressed by Chipper's ability. He could go a few days without uh, facing a left-hander and get in there. It was like he'd face one the whole game. Uh, he, he was just that good. I, I really, Appreciate it. And over the years, I got to talk to him a few times and he was always a pleasure to talk to. And uh, he knew the history of switch hitting. He knew all he, he was talking to me about playing with Eddie Murray and uh, what we were like batting third and fourth in the Oriole lineup. And, uh, you know, I, I would venture to say that uh, Eddie and I were the best switch hitting tandem in baseball history um, uh, in the 1979 and 1980 seasons. Uh, between the two of us, we drove in 430 runs, 215 for him and 215 for me. So uh, I, I just felt that those two years in particular, uh, you know, we were kind of uh, the the uh, platinum st uh, standard, if you will, for switch hitting. What you guys accomplished was incredible. You and Steady Eddie. And uh, yeah. It's amazing, Ken. Um, you know, after you retired, I know that you decided to lend your voice to the game as a broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And I know you did Expos games for quite some time, but you mentioned George Steinbrenner earlier. Yeah. Uh, when you signed on board with the Yankees uh, to broadcast for MSG, to my understanding, you had a rather humorous job interview <laughs> with Mr. Steinbrenner. Why don't you tell us about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had, um, well, actually, it started before that, before the interview. Uh, I went up for an audition. I uh, drove up to uh, Madison Square Garden where the studios were. And Jim Cott and I were supposed to voice over three innings of uh, the previous World Series. Well, after doing one inning of it, the uh, executive producer, Mike McCarthy, and the president, Joe Cohen, said, that's enough. You're good. You know, we, we, we want you to take the job. The job is yours. But you got to meet George. And uh, so a couple of days later, we flew down to uh, Tampa. And we went into, at that time, Legends Field, now Steinbrenner Field. 
And uh, we walked into this long, uh, this big office with a long conference room and big table. And George was sitting at the far end. And I noticed right away he didn't get up when we came in. So I, I thought, well, this is off to a good start. <laughs> and uh, I sat down next to him. And he looked at me and he said, uh, our fans aren't going to like you. And I said, wow. I said, well, Mr. Steinbrenner, with all due respect, how come? And he said, I can't recall all the bad things you did to us. And I said, uh, well, I was just doing my job. And he said, well, you did your job too well. You and that Eddie Murray guy. So I, I uh, but then he started to mellow a little bit. He, he asked me if I knew some people. I said, no, I didn't. And he said, well, when you get to know them, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, you, you'll be fine. And as the years went by, um, I became more and more in his favor, of course. And I, I, I think one thing, you know, George ruled a little bit by intimidation, but he couldn't intimidate me because I didn't play for him. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I played for one of the greatest intimidators of all time and Earl Weaver. So I, you know, it, whatever he said, I was just going to take with a grain of salt. I was going to be polite and all this. And, you know, once I got the job and, uh, you know, like I said, I found out over the years that the Yankees had tried to trade for me and, uh, you know, the Orioles said no both times. And it was kind of interesting because towards the end of my career, uh, I, I signed my last contract with the Orioles and the general manager was Hank Peters. And Hank, uh, I said, Hank, you know, when I sign this contract, it's going to make me 10 and five, you know, 10 years in the league and five years consecutive or more with the Orioles. That means you can't trade me. And he looked me right in the eye and he said, I, I wouldn't trade you anyway. So that that kind of, uh, you know, verified what uh, I was told by uh, uh, Hank Steinbrenner at the time. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply and ken you know since you've been a part of the yankee family you've been you know, you've seen so many great moments in the booth mm-hmm. that we've, you know, gotten to enjoy at home or at the stadium. Are there a couple of highlights or moments you've had, uh, you know, during your time with the Yankees specifically that really stand out more than the others? Well, uh, when I first got there, the Yankees were really on a roll. And uh, I, I think the 98 season in particular was, uh, you know, just just fantastic. It was a broadcaster's dream. You know, every broadcaster likes bringing good news to the fans. And I believe I worked a hundred games on TV that year and the Yankees won 72 of them. They, yeah, I, I felt like the uh, weatherman in San Diego. I mean, I had good news just about every day. The Yankee fans. Yeah. And, and it was, it, it was one of those magical years. And of course they went on to win the next year too. It, and then they won the next year after that. So I, I just, uh, you know, four out of five, they won, they won. So it was, 
it, it was great. Uh, of course, the 2009 season was, was uh, fun, too, when they won the World Series first year in, in the new stadium. Uh, the On-the-field highlights, I, I think one of the things that uh, really thrilled me over the years, and it wasn't something that happened during a game, uh, I, it was Derek Jeter's speech on the last day of the, the old Yankee Stadium as the captain of the team with all the players around him and the speech he made about uh, – you know, taking the ghost of the old ballpark across the street to the new one. Uh, I, I thought that he played the the role of the captain to the hilt that day. And you would appreciate that with Broadway connections. I mean, he, he was great. I mean, he, he was the captain that night. And, of course, they took the ghost with them and they won the World Series the next year. And it was uh, – uh, I'm looking forward to the day. I, I want them to win at least one more before I stop. So, I, uh, and, and if it's this year, that's fine. But, of course, I'd like to see it over, you know, the length of a full season and the grind of a full season, too. But I will say this, Al, the team that wins this year, with all the circumstances involved, they would have really earned it. Because uh, it's not so much what you do on the field this year. It's almost as much as what you do off the field to protect yourself and the rest of your teammates and the rest of the people involved in your organization. And this is a serious year. To just to try and get through. We've already had some problems with a couple of teams with Miami and St. Louis. And, and you know, I, I applaud the Cleveland Indians for what they did the other day with uh, Mike Clevenger and Zach Plesak was saying, no, you guys aren't hanging around us. We're sending you back and we're testing you right away uh, because this is, this shouldn't be done. It, um, now, I, I heard that there was a star player on a team. Now, I don't know who this player was, but he told his team in a meeting, says, we are all in this together and we're going to have to, uh, you know, abide by the rules and the protocols this year just to get through as a team. And he said, if any of you do not do this or are not willing to do this, I can get you traded. And believe me, I can do it. And there are guys on certain teams who have that power. They can go to the front office and say, this guy is not doing what he should be doing and we don't want him on our team. And uh, we had those back in the day when I was playing. We had those type of guys on teams. Uh, they, I'd like to think that I was one of those guys on the Orioles that could go to the GM and say, this guy shouldn't be on our team. Uh, but even this year, it's even more important uh, for everybody to follow the rules and do what you're supposed to be doing. Ken, I'm so happy that you brought up the uh, the Cleveland Indians situation as well as what it would have been like when you were playing. I mean, to, it's one thing if you're going to harm yourself, but when you put your teammates and your yeah. families at risk like that, there's simply no place for that during times like this. It, 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 that would really bother me. Yeah, well, they have a manager who's had health problems, and uh, Tito Francona, you know, and they've also got uh, uh, Chico uh, Carrasco on that team who went through leukemia last year. You know, if they get these guys, they could kill these guys. You know, so I'm, I'm just thinking, what, what what are you guys doing? You know, I I applaud the Cleveland Indian front office and management for just saying they put these guys in a car and sent them back to Cleveland. They wouldn't let them go back with the team. They definitely handled mm -hmm. it the right way. And, you know, Ken, so much about baseball's changed, not just on the field, but, you know, the way guys handle themselves off of it. And you and I are purists. We love baseball. Mm -hmm. uh, we love the game that we learned from our dads. And, yeah. I, and I know that because of the way you played and how you broadcast. I'm very much in your camp uh, in that sense. Does anything about the way it's changed make your job in the booth more difficult? 
it, it's still baseball. Uh, I, I think that uh, the way the game is played is different. I mean, the bullpens are more in vogue now. Uh, uh, I think the pitching staffs are built more from the back to the front as opposed from front to the back. Uh, and that's one reason why the Yankees are so successful. They, they've got a great bullpen. Uh, and they've had it for a number of years, and that's a big priority on their team. Uh, I think uh, Brian Cashman knows how games are played nowadays. Uh, anything that makes it more difficult? No, if, if anything else, if anything, I, I think in a way it's a little easier because of all the statistics that are involved now, the way they break down players. And uh, it's it, it gives you a better insight as to what players can do. It's just not home runs, RBIs, and batting average like it used to be. Um, you know, and even on base percentage, I led the league in on base percentage in the National League one year. It wasn't even wasn't even a negotiating point. I mean, if if we had if I had done that today, it, it, that's a few more million dollars in your, on, your, on your payroll. You know, on your in your in your bank account. I, I just think that um, uh, you can break down players a little bit more. And uh, if if you have somebody who's really good at analytical department with your team, and the Yankees do have a good one. They can pick up guys like Mike Talkman, who other organizations do not see what this guy can do. Besides what scouts see with their eyes, they look a bit, a little bit more into the numbers. Uh, they see somebody like Gio Urshela, who they know is a good fielder, but maybe they feel they can bring something out in his, in his bat. Then maybe there's a number there that says there's something to build on here uh, that uh, years ago they wouldn't even bother to look at. And all of a sudden, you got yourself – you know, a, maybe an all-star third baseman and, uh, you know, maybe an all-star in the future. And you got Tachman who can help your team in various ways. He can play all three outfield positions. He can steal bases. He can throw. He can hit. He's got some power. I mean, th those are the things that uh, nowadays to maybe the casual fan would make it more difficult to follow because there's too many more. There's just so many more numbers. But for somebody like me who's kind of into the numbers when I was a kid, uh, watching, uh, you know, Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays and all these guys, uh, I, I think it makes it a little easier. But in a way, it makes it more difficult because they got to study longer before games. <laughs> That's the truth, Ken. And, you know, you've seen a lot over the years. I do have to ask. We have the Yankees all-star closer, Araldis Chapman, on his way back. Uh -huh. First of all, have you ever seen anything like the Cuban Missile before? And how much are you looking forward to his return? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, he's he's very uh, intimidating when he pitches, and he throws very hard. There's no doubt about it. Uh, we had uh, hard throwers back, and I was playing, but not as many as they do now. I mean, uh, uh, that's part of the thing uh, with the with scouts. See, part of it's the radar gun, and uh, one of the things they look right away: how hard do you throw the ball? Uh, they figure if you can miss bats, you can pitch. Now, if you have the combination of uh, missing bats and being able to pitch as well and and be per precise with your pitching, sort of like a Garrett Cole, then you've really got yourself a pitcher. Uh, Chapman kind of relies just on power. But even lately, I think he can see into the future and the fact that his fastball isn't always at 102 and 103 like it used to be, you know, five years ago. So now on the days where he's throwing 98, 97, which is still pretty darn good, He's mixing in the slider a little bit more to make himself even more effective and a little less predictable. So I, I think that uh, uh, when he comes back, which shouldn't be in the not too distant future, of course, it's going to strengthen the Yankee bullpen and, uh, you know, can move uh, Britain back one inning. And he's, he's tough as 
as it is. But, uh, you know, he closed on a lot of teams. But uh, you're, you're right. When the missile comes back, uh, Yankee fans should be smiling. Ken, we do one last segment to wrap every show called Fastball Derby. But before we do that, I want to touch on something really quick that I think is so wonderful that you're really involved with. Uh, you serve on the board of directors for the Cool Kids Campaign, a foundation yeah. that supports children with cancer and their families. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about that? Uh, the Cool Kids, uh, we help uh, kids who are dealing with cancer. And it's not only kids. We support the whole families. Uh, whatever they need, uh, all, this, all our services are free. Uh, we have our various fundraisers during the course of the year. One of them is uh, our, my golf tournament, uh, which we have here in Maryland. And we are going to have the, we're going to have it again this year, but with all the protocols that need to be followed uh, through the uh, you know government here in Maryland and, and the governor Larry Hogan, who I think has done a pretty good job with uh, the state of Maryland, as opposed to other places around the country. That's one reason why I had to leave Florida. <laughs> but uh, the the fact is that. Uh, we're going to do it again this year. The cool kids, um, you know, both my parents uh, passed away from cancer, but they lived long lives. Al. They both got into their 80s and they saw a lot of good things. They saw a lot of changes uh, in life and in America during their years. Uh, but uh, when you see kids, you know, as young as two and three uh, dealing with cancer issues, it, it really tugs at your heart. And um, so I got involved with uh, Chris Federico, who's the president. His mom died from cancer. And uh, Robbie Belanger, who was the son of my uh, former teammate, Mark Belanger, who um, uh, Mark passed away from cancer. Mark was a heavy smoker, and that, that basically what killed him. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Robbie, um, oh, this, this kind of hurts. He, he developed cancer, too, and uh, he passed away a few years ago. Very young man. He was 37 years old. And... Um, um, yeah, he was, uh, you know, one of the linchpins of the organization and really got it started. So um, with all those people in mind uh, and all the people, all the kids out there who, who suffer from this disease, hopefully one day we, we can stop talking about it and it'll be done uh, much in the same way polio is kind of done. Uh, that we can. That's why I'm into it. And uh, this is the 11th year of my tournament. We've raised, uh, you know, well over a million dollars. And uh, just want to keep it going as long as I can. Um, I've got um, uh, my middle son, Justin's involved now. And his one of his good buddies that he went to high school with uh, was Chad Unitas, Johnny Unitas' son. So um, eventually I can see those two taking over and uh, keeping it going and helping Chris out. Uh, but, but for now, I like playing golf. So... Um, <laughs> We also have uh, tournaments. I don't know. Uh, Dan Jansen, remember the Olympic speed skater? Sure. She has one that benefits the cool kids in Charlotte, North Carolina. Michael Ruzioni, who uh, scored the winning goal against the Russians uh, way back in, uh, I think, 1980. Uh, he uh, has a tournament in Massachusetts. Uh, we're getting one started in um, Miami now. We were going to do it, but I think we're going to skip it this year because of what's going on with COVID. But Dennis Martinez, my teammate, El Presidente. Uh, so those are four fundraisers for the cool kids that revolve around golf. And we have a lot of other projects, too, that we, what we, that we do in the Maryland area. And um, uh, we, we've got the uh, blessings of the governor, Larry Hogan, who um, supports the cool kids. He's a cancer survivor himself. So I, I just think that uh, 
Uh, it's a labor of love, so to speak. And uh, I, we see the same people coming back every year from all over the country. We have actors and singers and entertainers. And, you know, my former teammates always, they had my back years ago and they still do now. And guys from other teams even show up. So uh, uh, that's what it means to me. And I'm looking forward to uh, our outing in mid-September again. Well, to the folks listening at home, I want you to check out the short links that we have in the episode descriptions. If you want to get involved with the Cool Kids campaign mm-hmm. and all the great stuff that Ken's doing, um, we know it's certainly a great cause and very dear to Ken and uh, very dear to all of us in the uh, Broadway community. Is it yeah, so I should give the website, uh, coolkidscampaign.org. Perfect, Ken. And, uh, you know, like I said, one last quick little segment to wrap the show. If uh, think of it like this, it's the ninth inning, two (laughs) outs, all the pressure's on you. I'll ask you a question. You say the first thing that comes to mind. How does that sound? Yeah, it sounds good to me. Okay. Kenny, I've heard that you really like your pregame music. What's your Desert Island album? Ooh, you know, a lot of it depends on my mood. But if you're talking Desert Island, that sounds like reggae to me. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of upbeat you know what i mean to keep you going until you're rescued <laughs> love that uh-huh. all-time favorite film uh once upon a time in the west with charles bronson claudio Carnale, claudia, claudia Cardinale, jason robards uh there were a number of stars in that movie uh it was a, a spaghetti western if you will um sergio leone uh they had great music i, I can't remember the composer of the music but the music was great. The scenery was wonderful. It was a great premise. Charles Bronson was great in the movie. All the actors, uh, it was sort of like a, um, uh, each each um, main character in the movie had their own theme song. So the music would play even before they showed up on screen. So it kind of told you who was coming into the next frame. And it was, it was, uh, it was really well done. I, I Al, you got to rent this movie. Once Upon a Time in the West, uh, Charles Bronson and all those great stars. And just look at the visuals, the music, and the acting itself was great. I definitely will check that mm-hmm. one out, Ken. Go to New York City Meal. Ooh. Um, I, I, I guess I should say the, the NYY Steakhouse. <laughs> 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 a great food. Uh, my family and I have enjoyed it. Uh, you know, that's a hard choice in New York. They got they got great food all over the place, you know, from sushi to Italian food to, you know, soul food to everything. That's why I, I when I grew up in New York, everything's right at your doorstep. It's so diverse. You, you, you learn to get along with a lot of different people. Um, I remember when I went off to play ball as a 19 year old, you know, I had signed with the Mets. I was, you know, draft pick the Mets. Uh, my dad said. Remember, you grew up in New York. You've already seen a lot. You're just trying to get back here. Um, he was right. Uh, although, you know, I've seen a lot of good things throughout the country, but there's there's no place like New York City in the in the metropolitan area. It's if it's all at your doorstep, and I think you'd agree with me. I certainly do, Ken. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're one of the great fabrics of New York City sports. I hope that. Uh, you know, we'll get to some sense of normalcy soon and we could get yeah. you over to Broadway. And in the meantime, I can't wait to hear you call a few Yankee games this year. This is uh, been yeah. such a thrill. So thank you. Yeah, Al, it was my pleasure. And sure, I'd, I'd love to get to Broadway. I, I I went to a show with my wife a few years ago. 
It was impressive. I can't remember the name of it right now. That she would know. (laughs) (laughs) We'll worry about the uh, Broadway knowledge in the offseason, Ken. Okay, I'll study. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds great. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining us on Break a Bat tonight. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 